Actors, this is your final places call. Places. Half to half. Go. Orchestra, stand by. Go. Bye, Hi there, my name is Jonathan Lynch, and you're listening to Bite Size Broadway, a mini musical podcast brought to you by IndieWorks Theatre Company and Judith Manicharian. This is your source for discovering original short-form musicals that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. On today's episode, we're going down under with Sheila the Tiny Turtle, book and lyrics by Caitlin Burt and music by Amir Schoenfeld. Join us after the show for a talkback with Caitlin and Amir. And now, grab your family and grab your seats and prepare to enjoy Sheila the Tiny Turtle. Down in a creek, deep in the heart of the Australian desert, there lived a family of turtles. Their mother was very sick and seemed to be getting worse. So, her three turtle sons went out each day working their hardest to keep the family fed. Work the Aussie way, we're battlers through and through. But the family isn't so upbeat. Mum gets sicker every day. So we scout for Tucker, she can eat. Well, us brothers find the food anyway. Our sister Sheila's hopeless. Too right. Sheila always says she wants to come. But we'd rather leave her home with Mum. Everybody pulls their weight, that is, except our sister Sheila couldn't even pull a muscle <laughs> She hasn't got a useful trait The gods completely missed her Sheila's just too weak to join the hustle <laughs> Oh, there's those leaves Their little sister, Sheila, wasn't allowed to go out looking for food She was too small So, she stayed home, looking after her mum No, mum, you don't look very comfortable I'm alright, Sheila. Here, let me move this rock to prop your head up. A, t- <laughs> a tad hang <sighs> I'm sorry, I can't. It's too heavy. No worries, Sheila. I'm right. The boys are back! Hey, Mum. How are you doing now? Sheila, move. Hey! Oh. Pop this out of your head, Mum. Mum, tell them next time they have to take me when they go for Tucker. Oh, no way. Last time she made it halfway and we had to carry her back. You're just not big enough to swim that far, Sheila. But I want to help too. Why can't I do what the boys do? Children, please. You may not be built to collect the food poppet, (sighs) but you're the cleverest turtle in the whole desert. That's not going to catch us any grub. From the surface of the water, the turtles heard the call of their mate Kev, the pink cockatoo. Kev would often fly around bringing important news to the neighbourhood, and he certainly had some important news for the turtles today. (laughs) How's it going, guys? G'day, Kev. Same old. Mum's a trooper. 
got any news? Nah, yeah. Turns out there's a desert quandong tree. It's got seeds that'll cure your mum's condition. But way down that way, and not within Kui. I'd fly there, I would, but it's too far with not a lick of water between. So we'd have zero chance. Nah, mate. No turtle would be strong enough to make it all the way out, let alone break the seeds out of the shell, take on the predators and make it back. Cheers, Kev. Catch ya! <laughs> yeah, catch you later. So, how are we going to do this? Do what? <laughs> Get to the Kwandong tree. Oh, Poppet, you've got a great big heart. But you're too small yet for travelling. One day when you're bigger, you can roam. Though you're brave and smart, as my last days are unravelling, stay here in the safety of our home. Boys! There would be no point in us traipsing out to the desert and not returning. But... Struth! No one needs a tiny turtle like you. You want to help? Rack off and stay out of everyone's way. Come on, folks. You don't need to be big. You're the cleverest turtle in Cut the it world. out! I don't want to be clever. I want to be strong so I can help. I'm sorry, Mum. You rest. I'll come back later. I'm sorry. Sheila. 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 How can I sit around and do nothing when maybe there's a cure? I'm gonna pull my weight even though it's just a little weight. Cause I could do much more than ride the tide My life with mum is great But there are seeds to find so it'll wait How can I rest until I know we've tried? Probably someone else should go instead A turtle bigger than me a turtle stronger than me A turtle that's been growing a bit longer than me If no one else will go out there to brave the sun and flies I'll have to go myself and hope they're wrong And although I haven't got a considering for mum, I gotta learn how to be strong. So Sheila set off to find the desert Kwandong tree. But before long, she was exhausted. Her tiny legs got very tired in the burning hot sand, but still, she pressed on. Eventually, Sheila spied a mob of kangaroos. <laughs> Hey, look! Hey, 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 look! Mom, 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 Oi, Carly! Hey, look how high I can jump now! Look! Yes! 
Don't you jump too far, my little patch potato. Mom! Being such a pipsqueak herself, Sheila was always keeping an eye out for predators, wanting to gobble her up. High up in the sky, she spied a hungry eagle circling the little Joey. Well, Joey, stay still! Oh, a tiny turtle! Hi! I'm Lily. Is an eagle about to get you? Just at that moment, the eagle started to dive down towards the Joey, ready for a tasty treat. Sheila knew she had to do something. Noticed Sheila jumping about and fixed his aim towards her. Too distracted to notice the Joey climbing into his mother's pouch, the eagle plunged towards the tiny turtle. Just in the nick of time, Sheila tucked into a shell, bracing as the eagle's beak knocked her right across the sand. How do you think you got in my pouch? It was nothing. A dinky die battler you are. That's smart in that drongo face. Your mother must... Where is your mother? Back at the creek. Oh, stone crows, that's far. <laughs> Sweet as! My mum would go troppo if I nicked off. Dead set. Every mother would worry if their whippersnapper disappeared. Oh, what a horror to learn your kid is in the wild. Go return, you're a child. Whether they're crazy or just a bit lazy, a mother tries. Any kind of mother. You better sit down for this one. The platypus's parents are preoccupied with bills. A crocodile's mother always snaps. The lizard makes the hatchlings go and dress their necks in frills. Koala kids are forced to bear their naps. Though you might think she's a pain or that her methods are insane. A mother's gonna freak when offspring just spring off. A mother's gonna freak when offspring just spring off. Yeah, she'll probably be pretty mad. <laughs> Mother'll probably go bonkers. My kid's wise to know that I'll pounce. If he tries to run oh, Mom. At his size He's too small to bounce hey. Though not the bush he has a cushy home okay. I'll probably get to go on a little bit Don't make me come in there A kookaburra's mother likes to laugh and muck around A shark knows when her pups get out of line An emu gives her chicks ideas They won't get off the ground Her kidneys teach the kids to grow a spine if arthropod or mammal, whether scorpion or camel, a kid can up and leave the feeding trough. Ugh. Every mother is the same and she will take on all the blame. She'll go hopping mad because she had her offspring. Just spring So you'd better have a darn good reason to be out here, little Tucker, or I'm going to be jumping you straight back to your oldies. You could do that? Jump me somewhere? Yeah, 
I got plenty of room in my patch. Hey! Mum's sick. I'm finding the seeds of the desert quandong tree so that she can get better. Oh, see, Ned. This is what appreciation looks like. I carry you around your entire life, then you carry on like a pork chop when your grass isn't freshly sprouted. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ah, oh, look, sweets. That tree's still away away in Dingo Territory. It is? Dingoes leave us alone if we stay off their land. But if we go one teensy poor inside their zone... Cactus. <gasps> oh, no. No one goes in there, let alone someone your size. <laughs> My brother said I'm too tiny to pull this off. Guess they were right. Oh. What's your mum say? She just says I'm clever. Fair dinkum. Only a clever turtle could have figured out what to do with that eagle. What am I supposed to do? I can't go back. I have to help my mum. Even the biggest turtles wouldn't have a prayer against a dingo. Heck, one of us kangaroos can't even take them. Same as getting those seeds. Hmm. Mm, but if you're clever... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you could pull it off. You, you don't think I'm too weak? Clever is a different kind of strong. <gasps> Do you think you could take me there? Mm. Ned, we're going for a bounce. <laughs> oh, yeah! Out of bounds? Ah, just the dingo plauder. You beauty! He did. Oh, the hours we spent pulling those thorns out of his butt. Well, hey, they hurt. <laughs> oh, well, little one, this is the border. Oh, I wish we could take you further. This is ace. Oh. Thank you for everything. <laughs> Bye, Ned. Good luck, Sheila. Bye, Sheila. Bye. Why do you always go with the prickle butt story? Okay, Can't we leave Ned, a butt out of it? Calm down and go to sleep. We've got a long hop. After saying goodbye to her new friends, Sheila still had a long walk, getting all the way to the Kwandong tree. Okay. The hot sun beat down, and the desert sand blew harshly across her shell. You can do this. After what seemed like ages, she got there. But when she looked up, she saw a tree so tall. She was sure the branches were touching the sky. Sheila tried scrambling up the trunk for hours, her flippers becoming bruised and gashed. Eventually, she collapsed at the bottom in a disappointed heap. I'm never going to get those stupid seeds. Even if I did, I'm too knackered to walk all the way back to the creek. How could I have got so close? My brother said I couldn't bear to face the sun and flies. I guess I should have known it all along. There's no way I can climb up there considering my size. There never was a different kind of strong. <sighs> well, Stone the Crows, <gasps> what have we? You're... you're a... Dingo! That's me, King of the Desert, True Blue Top Dog. No need to run. 
Fellas five times your size have given it a pearl. You're a goner. Mm, how neat. A culinary treat. It's always grouse to find a mouse with nice fresh meat. Oh, I'm not a... Ah, don't plead. You might as well concede. The bargain is clear if you're trespassing here, then my dinner is guaranteed. Different kind of strong. Different kind of strong. I guess there's nothing I can do to change your mind. King Oath. Okay, I'm yummy, but I'd never fill up your tummy. So if I was you, tell you what I would do. I'd begin with a succulent starter or two. That's if I was you. Don't want to be a misery, Guts, but I don't think I'll be filling enough for you. And I assume you'd want to savour my taste. Why don't you climb up the tree and eat some fruit first? Nah, yeah, yeah, you are a pipsqueak. Cheers. So, seems like you've never met a turtle before. Nah, but cheers, it's grouse that you're on side and giving due respect. All my prey just whinge and crack the sands. Couldn't bite ya if I tried, <laughs> I wouldn't last for long. Yeah. Pleasure to eat ya. No one can beat ya when, when you, you know, know you're, you're strong. strong. In one swift bound, the dingo lapped up and onto the branch of the Kwandong tree. Gobbling up the fruit, he cracked through the hard shell as easily as though it were simply a pavlova. Yeah, just spit out those seeds. You don't want to swallow them. Got him. Good shout. Now to the main course. <laughs> I guess if I'm going to be eaten, at least it'll be by a beast as powerful as you are. It's almost an honour. I just hope... Mm-hmm. I hope that my leathery skin doesn't underwhelm you. Oh. Turtles are made for the sun. What? To be out in the desert for days, you know? Mm. I'd hate for my calloused skin to disappoint. Yeah, yeah. But what would you do if you were me? Turtles are hardy and eating us isn't a party. So if I was you and I had to make do, I would soak me to make it more easy to chew. That's if I was you. Jeez, it's beautiful to meet your prey if and see I they care for taste. Was and mostly you. they prefer I eat I'd them quick. Us on a barbecue. You're quite cute, wish you could stay, I'll but stay time to say so, so long. long. Oh, how delicious. You can be vicious when, when you, you know you're, you're strong. strong. If you wanted to soak my leathery skin, mm -hmm. there's a creek heaps down that way. Oh. oh, but now that I think about it, I would hate to drown. What a horrible way to go. In fact, I demand you will not drown me. Excuse you? I said you will not drown me. Who is the predator here? I'm the one who'll decide what happens. <laughs> No need to spit the dummy. That creek is way too far away to get to anyway. It's not like you'd be strong enough to chuck me there. <laughs> I could throw a little thing like you. No worries. Oh, don't. Please don't. That would be so scary. Who is the predator here? I'm the one who'll decide what happens. The furious dingo lifted Sheila in his jaws and in one fell swoop <gasps> threw her all the way across the desert. Oh, no. Take that. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh. 
You're gonna be so tender when... <laughs> Wait, hang on. No! Squealing with delight, the tiny turtle splashed smack bang in the middle of the creek. Geez, you thought that I was weak, I guess I proved you wrong. Seems I was the tough one from the start. It's so good to see the creek and be where I belong. Little guys can play a big part when you know you're strong. Sheila had done what everyone else said was impossible. Crossing the boundless lengths of the desert, getting down the fruit from the tallest tree, and confronting a scary dingo. Now she had the seeds that would heal her mum, and she could not wait to give them to her. Meanwhile, Sheila's brothers were doing the best they could. But as time went on, they were beginning to lose all hope. Mum gets worse each day, and we don't know what to do. We're out of hope and out of things to say. Mum says she's okay, but we know it isn't true. She gave up when our sister went away. Hi, Mum. Sheila? <gasps> Sheila, where have you been? In the desert, getting these. Crikey, are those the Kwandan seeds? She got the seeds? Yep. Oh, bonza! Here, Mum, eat these. Oh, you've got to be taking a mick. I was a different kind of strong. What a ripper. They're working. <gasps> Mum, you're sitting up. Yes. Stop it. You're the cleverest. Sorry. No, you were right. I couldn't have done it just being big. I did need to be clever. Sheila, you're, you're the cleverest turtle in the whole desert. <laughs> We had always made the call, our sister was too weak. Crikey, what a crackers thing to say! Oh, once I hated being small, but when I left the creek, I learned that any size can save the day! <laughs> Sheila showed the greatest strength of all. Thanks, she's mighty, even though she's small. Don't you go leave it again. We need you. Everybody pulls their weight and pulls it in their own way. Sheila was a battler all along. And she taught us how to celebrate the many parts we play. We can find a different kind of strong. We can find a different kind of strong. <laughs> That was Sheila the Tiny Turtle, book and lyrics by Caitlin Byrne and music by Amir Schoenfeld, starring Carly DiNardo, Lauren Elder, James Stafford, Robert Mannion, Heather McElhaney, and narration by Michael Perry Jr. Sheila the Tiny Turtle was recorded remotely from New York City with direction by Christopher Michaels, music direction by Jonathan Lynch, orchestrations by Ben Plotnick and Caitlin Rates, additional orchestrations and sound design by Andrew Fox, and mixing and mastering by Jay Rosen, assistant audio engineering by Evan Feist, fiddle, guitar, and mandolin performed by Ben Plotnick, and cello by Caitlin Rates. We'll be right back after this brief intermission to talk with Caitlin and Amir about the Tiny Turtles' origins, writing from a distance, and adapting stage musical for an aural audience. And be sure to stick around to hear more about how your show could be part of Bite Size Broadway Season 2, right after this.
Hey there! Enjoying the show so far? Want even more out of your bite-sized Broadway experience? Get full-color digital playbills, early singles and episodes, and exclusive backstage access to other exciting rewards and extras by becoming a Patreon subscriber. For as little as $3 a month, you can unlock perks you just won't find anywhere else. We're giving you a peek behind the curtain to see just what goes into making a mini-musical podcast, plus a chance to speak directly to the artists in monthly AMAs. Oh, looks like Act Two is about to start. Visit patreon.com slash bitesizebroadway to find out how you can become a subscriber today. Sorry. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, so I'm sitting down with Amir and Caitlin, the writers behind Sheila the Tiny Turtle. Uh, thank you for sitting down with me. I'm very excited to chat with you about the show. Yeah, thank you for having us. This Thanks is really so exciting. Much. We've we've been waiting waiting for this and looking forward to it. Thank you, thank you. First of all, I would like to hear a little bit about how both of you got into musical theater writing in the first place. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> the, the long or the short version. Uh, I, I guess the, the short version is you know I my, my parents took me to see. Uh, a few musicals. I grew up in Israel, so uh, I went to see the Israeli productions of uh, Les Mis and Joseph, and I kind of got really hooked on it. And um, I was always kind of obsessed with musical theatre, but throughout school, I kind of gravitated more and more towards uh, music production. And actually from about like the end of school until something like three or four years ago, my main career focus was on music production. Um, musical theater was always something I loved and engaged with on some level. And I kind of couldn't stop doing like a bad habit, but it it wasn't the focus of my career (laughs) until about three or four years ago. I had a bit of a life crisis. Uh, for a second there, I thought I might, uh, do a, an MA in sociology. I signed up and everything then realized the error of my ways, uh, canceled that (laughs) and decided that I was going to devote all of my time to musical theater because it's the thing that... I just love the most. And si- yeah, so since then, I've been kind of trying to blitz it and do as much of it as I can, as often as I can, as well as I can. Um, and yeah, trying to make make up for lost time in a way. That's awesome. And Caitlin, how did you get involved in musical theater? I was a bit of a late musical theater bloomer, I think. Um my family was more of a sporty family and so I didn't have that much exposure with musical theatre until I was at university where um, I was going to a linguistics lecture. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, um, but one of my friends was walking with me and she was going to a music theatre lecture and I thought, that sounds like more fun than my linguistics lecture, so I went to that. And <laughs> <laughs> basically I thought that it was amazing. I thought that this world was something that I wanted to be a part of. And then after I finished university, I went on and did a a musical theatre course after that as a performer and just learnt more and more about uh, the musical theatre magic um, that exists. And then through that, I started writing some things and then I've gradually made that my main focus. And and I love it. I love being able to um, tell my own stories in such a heightened and, and musical way. It's fantastic. I love it. Great. So, Amir, you're from Israel. Caitlin, you're from Australia. Yeah. How did this partnership happen? <laughs> well, much like much like many of the interviewers that you've had before, we were, we were in the equivalent of uh, what is the BMI version, uh, BML, in London. So it's like the sister mm-hmm. program um, 
that exists over here. We're both based in London at the moment. We came here to do our musical theatre thing. So when we joined this BML course, much like the other programs that I know you've talked about on this interview, um, mm -hmm. you get partnered with different people as you do different projects. And we were partnered together um, on the 10 minute musical project, much like many of the other yes. people that you've heard about already. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we first started working together. Yeah, the BML program sounds fantastic. I was looking up a few things about it because I didn't know about the program coming into this. And um, it really does seem to sort of follow a lot of those kinds of like BMI kinds of things. There are a lot of people uh, on the board for BML who are also sort of involved in BMI. So like there's this really great sort of like crossover and exchange between the two. It's programs. a great program. I, I couldn't recommend it more. Uh, both uh, from the kind of educational perspective, you get so much good professional training in musical theatre writing, but also in the sense of community building. And it's such a great place to meet collaborators. I, I kind of feel like I achieved exactly what I wanted from it because I was looking to <laughs> kind of up my musical theatre game and meet a lyricist and a book writer I can work with, met Caitlin, wrote this, everything's great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Did what it says on the tin. Sounds perfect then, great. So what was your 10-minute musical? Uh, what you just heard. <laughs> Amazing, I love it. It's been expanded Clearly now. a successful partnership. Uh, as, you can, as you can see, we didn't quite stick to the 10 minutes. We have expanded it slightly for the podcast edition, but... Um, that was its goal. That was its original aim to be our 10 minute musical for BML. Excellent. I guess what what is kind of interesting about it is uh, we started BML, I think it was March 2019. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of, I wasn't expecting it at the time, but I got an opportunity to uh, uh, stay in New York for a few months and do a writing residency in New York. So something like three or four months into my BML course, I moved to New York for a few months. And at that point, Caitlin and I had already been partnered mm -hmm. and started talking and planning uh, Sheila. So we ended up doing a lot of the work remotely with me in New York and her in London, you know, way before it was cool to work remotely. <laughs> <laughs> Something about it, we hadn't planned on it being an audio musical. We originally thought it would be a stage musical. We entertained the thought of maybe it would be augmented reality. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh that is reality cool. musical. I am all up for stuff like that. Great. Yeah, yeah that, that was one of the original ideas. And I think there was something about us working remotely, you know, me doing kind of demos remotely that sort of lent itself to that genre. So when the opportunity came came to actually make it into an audio musical, there was something very natural about it, especially with yeah. the um, magical animal world and, you know, the talking animal. There was something that felt very natural about that. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. We'd never really visualised it for stage quite as much as we did for this VR thing we ended up working towards. So the idea of, of jumping across the desert and meeting all these different animals and seeing a flying eagle, like they all are not so conducive to a, a quick children's <laughs> musical on the stage, though I'm sure it could be done with a clever director. Mm. Um, it, it was quite conducive to be able to turn it into this podcast. There's an organization that I see linked in a lot with a BML organization, and that's newukmusicals.co.uk, newukmt. Um, you want to talk a little bit about this? Sure. So New UK Musicals is a new platform created by Darren Clark, who is one of the best new young musical theatre writers that we have here in the UK. His uh, musical, The Wicker Husband, actually was featured in, um, was it 
NAMT or maybe one of the other New York festivals just before the pandemic started. And when the pandemic started, he opened this platform because he realized there was a space in the market for a place where people can find and, well, learn about and buy the sheet music of new UK British grown uh, musical theatre writers. There's such a vibrant new musical theatre writing scene in London specifically, but in the UK in general. Sure, yeah. Um, a lot of new stuff is happening and it kind of feels like the industry is still catching up with the amount of good writing that's happening at the moment. <laughs> so new UK musicals is just this great opportunity to learn about a lot of really good professional musical theatre writers that you might have not heard of, especially if you're outside of the UK, mm -hmm. who have already written amazing work and you can go there and listen to the demos, learn about the writers, buy the sheet music, put on the shows, add it to your um, audition repertoire or, or your cabaret repertoire. There's just so many varieties of things to choose from as well. It's, it's just a great resource. And I love it that it's... So many people who are involved in BML are also involved in this platform to get the music out. So it's sort of like you learn how to do the craft and then you learn like you get the opportunity to sort of put it out and have this platform to do so. That's just really fantastic. One of the benefits of the UK London musical theatre community being relatively tiny, at least mm -hmm. I think compared to the to the American community, is that sort of everybody knows everybody and everybody supports everybody. And there's this sense of community where everybody tries to lift everybody up. Everybody's just trying to get the tied up to raise all boats. Um, yeah, wonderful. so everybody involved in BML is involved in new UK musicals and in Mercury <laughs> Musical Development and Musical Theatre Network and the Beam showcases and Signal and everything that ARIA Entertainment is doing and uh, Adam Lenson Productions are doing. It's all kind of like a community that is all connected to each other and supporting each other. It sounds really lovely. Fantastic. So let's go back to talking about Sheila. I love this show. Where did the idea come from? We were actually given a book of short children's stories that came from all around the world in order for us to choose one of these stories and base our 10-minute musical on. So this story was one that originally, as a cultural story, was a coyote and a turtle, which we morphed into what it's become. <laughs> we took it out of its location, put it into Australia and thought this will be fun to be able to play with some accents and to be able to put in some Australian animals. So um, that was the original inspiration. And then we, mm -hmm. we sort of morphed it into something else. Yeah, the, awesome. the, the original story was based in Mexico and it's based on, I think, a Mexican folktale or maybe even, uh, you know, an Aztec, I think, maybe uh, folktale. goes way back. I'm, I'm just really keen on cultural specificity. One of the things I love the most about theatre in general, art in general, but musicals specifically, is that you get to dive into this culture of the world and the character and mm -hmm. really kind of use that as the, as the colour of the piece. We felt a bit uncomfortable doing that for Mexico, having that neither I nor Caitlin are Mexican. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> and so we both come from countries rich with deserts. So there was, mm -hmm. a, there was a short discussion about whether it should be set, set in Israel or in Australia. Australia is, is Anglophone and has some great, great uh, slang and sense of humor and accent. So we decided that would be more fun to do. And that's, that's what we went with. And animals. There are a lot more traditional right. visual animals that I think are fun to play with. 
Caitlin, you're from Australia, so a lot of I, I take it a lot of the terms, a lot of the animals are very familiar with you. Amir, how did you dive into this world about creating this really sort of distinctive kind of sense of place with the music? I actually worked with a songwriter called James Marples, a great Melbourne-based folk and pop songwriter for many years, mm-hmm. and his song, his music was very influenced by the world that he grew up in and the kind of mythology of Australia. So even before I'd even met Caitlin, I'd already done a lot of research on Australian music in general. But (laughs) when Caitlin and I started working on this, we kind of, we aim for a very specific type of Australia. It's it's kind of like a genre that people call Australiana, where it's, (laughs) it's sort of country, but it's very folky and very specifically Australian. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we, we made a big old playlist of all of this Australiana classics. Uh, and I just immersed myself in it for a while and tried to kind of distinguish the differences between everything on that list. And because it is very adjacent to country and English folk and all sorts of folk and yeah, to yeah. trying to kind of find the Australia in it. Um, so I kind of immersed myself in it, trying to find the repeated motifs and themes in, in, in all of the kind of, instrumentations uh, that you get. And it does kind of conjure a world. It does conjure the the landscape in a way. Absolutely. And I think it does it in the way that most great musical theater does, where it's not just about like a series of songs that are linked together, necessarily. Some fantastic pieces are. But ones that really sort of like excite me are the ones that like create an entire like musical sonic world that are sort of evocative of a very specific time and place of a, a community. And I think that this piece does this very well. So it's fascinating getting a glimpse into your process of sort of creating that. Great. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you you feel that way because that, <laughs> that was kind of the desired effect, right? Excellent. Um, Great. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the hope was that we would paint a picture, especially in audio, where you, you can't rely on the visuals, that there would be something about the sound of the music itself that conjures up the world that the piece lives in. Amir's very good at restricting himself too. I remember that there was a, a version of a couple of the songs that were perhaps a little bit too complicated for some of the things that Australian music would do in this style. And and he's humble enough to be able to strip it back and, and to be able to just let the world be what it is rather than needing to necessarily put in the most technical or the most complicated riffs or little tricky bits underneath (laughs) and I I think that he's done a really good job of hitting it spot on of being able to leave it sparse enough for the characters to be able to sing what they needed to sing and also to be able to have that world without it being taken to too much of an intellectual place which I think it could have been with someone analyzing a different musical style. Thanks. I think that there's a lot to be said about any writers, words, music, anything where um, in musical theater, it's focused on character and where the writer can sort of like lose themselves into the piece and that it's not necessarily the writer like poking through and being like, hey, it's me, I'm being clever. (laughs) But being able to do that is a very special kind of a talent and skill. And I think that's something both of you do in this one quite well. Thank you. Yeah, I I think one of the interesting things... I mean, Caitlin, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't <laughs> get the sense that Caitlin is necessarily uh, using musical theater, like in a very direct way, express her identity. It's more of a it's more of a finding a character and trying to get inside their world. Um, right. But there was something about this piece, I think, that forced you into mm-hmm. kind of like diving back into where you grew up and the kind of stuff that you heard in passing growing up and the kind of culture that you come from 
And uh, I think the authenticity of that also comes through in Sheila. I think the being for me having Caitlin as a resource into <laughs> in, into this culture was great because I you know I, w- I wouldn't have never I would have never been able to express that in the way that she does yeah although having said that as you can probably tell from my accent the the slang and the way that a lot of the characters talk is not my natural um, <laughs> my natural space to be talking in or what I grew up surrounded by but um you do come across these people and there are areas in Australia that, that do speak in this way still and it it's great. And so I have quite a fondness for it and it was really fun to be able to lean into through this through this show, even if I'm not one to use the slang from a day-to-day uh, point of view. <laughs> but <laughs> it was definitely fun to be able to play with it. I, I also think there was something useful about our collaboration in the sense that I could be a gauge for what's just too specific for a non-Australian oh, yeah, to, to get. Yeah, for sure. There were there were a bunch of times where I would put something in and it would be distracting um, to the listener because they would stop and think too much about the term. So it was really helpful to be able to bounce things off Amir to be like, if this is said, do you still get the idea of the line? Um, and so it was good. And also with um, indie works as well for the people that were listening from an American perspective too a lot of the time um, to know actually... In America, this word means this thing, and therefore to have it in there, <laughs> I think we use like the word entree at some point, and and that means something different in different places. So stuff like that was really interesting to be aware of writing for a global audience rather than specifically an Australian one. It's fantastic. I, yeah. I, I think also from the perspective of both Caitlin and I being essentially foreigners in the UK as well, but living in the world of musical theatre. It's we kind of make it our business to be at least aware of all sorts of Anglophone cultures all around the world in America, in in Australia, in the UK. There's so many accents, there's so many dialects, and it's part of a, the daily practice for us to just kind of keep up and, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just be aware and wary of these differences. Yeah, I for one um, have caught the phrase "king oath" coming into my vocabulary every now and then. <laughs> Um, good, good. So, that's a good one. We find ourselves saying "struth" every now and then now, so that's that's been oh, a good addition struth, to our that's daily. That's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> Between the two of you, you've been super active lately. There's just so many awesome, amazing projects going on. Um, looking at the moon. Um, so looking looking at the moon is a song we wrote for a project called uh, a song for our time, um, which was an initiative by Torrenta Productions, which is a, a company here in the UK, mm-hmm. um, at, the, at the very beginning of the pandemic, where they were looking for yeah, a, a song to represent the current, well, the, what was then the current atmosphere of, you know, when I think this was at a time as well when everybody was a little more united and feeling like the whole world is going through this together. <laughs> um, and the point of the original commission was to be recorded by a whole choir of West End stars where, Mm -hmm. you know, the genre where every person sings a line and then everybody comes together for a big chorus. Uh, And the whole thing was uh, to support a charity called Acting for Others, which supports uh, theatre workers in the UK. Um, And the final final judge selecting the winning song for this initiative uh, was Jason Robert Brown, which both I and Caitlin are just, enormous fans of <laughs> he's great um, yeah <laughs> so caitlin and i were actually working on a couple of different things at that point but caitlin found 
found this initiative and she sent it to me in an email and she said, I know we're really busy, but this has <laughs> Jason Robert Brown attached to it. So you might want to have a look at this. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we said, well, we have to do this now, don't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we started focusing on it. We started writing a song. And again, at that point, Caitlin and I had been working remotely for, I think, over a year. And we'd become very, very close. And um, we were feeling this sense that now everybody's so familiar with of being away from the people you love and care about and not being able to see them um, and hoping for the hopefully the new the near future where you could mm-hmm. we'd been dealing with it for over a year at that point <laughs> um, we had an unfair advantage to know how to approach this <laughs> right so we started we started writing this song that ended up being called looking at the moon um and halfway through writing it we kind of had to stop and go right this is actually not we're not writing this to the brief this is not necessarily uplifting it doesn't suit the every person sings one line format too well. Are we just writing a song about us? Ah. And <laughs> and we had to go like we stopped um, and reassessed and and thought hmm. is this is this the direction that we do want to go and do we want to continue carrying on on this line of it being really genuine and something that we were quite proud of or do we want to sort of mix it up a little bit and and try and suit the brief a little more accurately. And decided, you know what, like, let's just write something that we really feel and that we really love and and we could be proud of. Um, If they like it, they like it. If they don't, that's fine too. We've got a cool song. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So (laughs) eventually what we learned is we we, we won the initiative, which was amazing. That was (laughs) such a highlight for us. (laughs) Um, And the song ended up because it didn't quite fit the brief the kind of feedback that we got from the from uh, uh the the production was it doesn't fit the brief mm-hmm. but it kept coming up in the long list and then the short list and then uh Jason Robert Brown decided to to select it that they actually decided to change the brief for the song rather than choose wow. the song that fit oh, the brief the best. <laughs> and that was that was such a nice feeling cuz we yeah. could have produced that song in that format, but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have used the song as best as it, it could. And we are so grateful um, to Paul Wilkins and Daniel Tarento who produced this to, the, to, to have given us this freedom. It ended up being recorded as a solo song, recorded by the amazing Hadley Fraser, mm. uh, with with a choir of West End actors, but still as support for the one voice that ended up representing what all of us have been feeling for the past year and a bit. Um, And we're just very, very proud of it. So we're really thankful to have had the opportunity to do this. If you listen to it, all of the, all of the uh, proceeds from the song are still going to Acting for Others, which is supporting theatre workers in need in the UK. And it's a great help. That's about all the time we have for today. But like, thank you for sitting down to talk with me. This has been a real pleasure. And just like hearing more about your process and about everything going on has just been just lovely. So thank you very much. Thank you for having us. And thank you for creating this platform for writers from everywhere to be able to have their work presented and shown in such a lovely, thoughtful way, especially during this time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jonathan. Caitlin and Amir always have an exciting project in the works, so be sure to check out their websites. For more info on Caitlin, head to caitlinburt.com and check out Amir's site at amirschoenfeld.com. 
Additionally, don't forget to check out Caitlin Rates and Ben Plotnik's upcoming projects at CaitlinRates.com and BenPlotnik.com, respectively. There was so much interesting material in our talkback that we just didn't have time to air. But you can take a listen to the extended conversation when you become a Patreon subscriber. Visit www.patreon.com bitesizebroadway and become a member today for exclusive behind-the-scenes content and plenty of other exciting perks. Don't go away. More Bite Size Broadway right after this. Hey, creative professionals and business owners. Looking to up your content game? Need a little boost to help complete your latest creative project? Have a great idea but no idea how to make it happen? Let Evan Feist Coaching and Consulting and his over 15 years of experience in media and extensive network work for you. Head to www.evanfeist.com today for a free consultation. Next time on Bite Size Broadway. When a virus from a pop-up ad holds grandma's computers and files for ransom, she calls on her grandson Thomas to help her figure things out. But Thomas must be quick to find the origins of the virus and unfreeze grandma's computer before time is up and she loses all of her precious memories stored on her hard drive. This charming and sweet new musical is played out in real time and shows us that the joy of our memories is in the making. It's Ransomware? Starring Sierra Ryan, Michael Perry Jr., J. Lane Marcos, and Cassidy Rose Layton. Coming soon, only on Bite Size Broadway. Great news! Bite Size Broadway has been named an honoree at the 25th Annual Webby Awards. <laughs> We're so proud to be recognized among the top arts and culture and podcasts. Congrats to everyone on the Bite Size Broadway team. One other thing before you go. Do you have a 10 to 20 minute mini musical or an idea that you want to develop into an audio drama? It could be our next great episode! Submissions are now open for Season 2 of Bite Size Broadway. Visit IndieWorksTheater.com slash BiteSizeBroadway for more information and submission guidelines. And that's it for this episode of Bite Size Broadway. If you haven't subscribed on your favorite podcasting platform, well, what are you waiting for? Subscribe today and never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a brief review. A huge thank you goes out to our upper-level Patreon subscribers, Dakota Cahill and Judith Manicharian. If you'd like to support us on Patreon and get exclusive access to exciting perks, head to www.patreon.com slash bitesizebroadway or click the link in the episode description. Until next time, friends, I'm Jonathan Lynch, and this is Bite Size Broadway. Bite Size Broadway is an Indie Works Theater production created by Jonathan Lynch. Executive producers Christopher Michaels and Jeremy Terry. Produced by Jonathan Lynch and Andrew Fox. Bite Size Broadway's theme and finale were composed and performed by Michael Perry Jr. For more information on this and other IndieWorks programming, please visit www.indieworkstheater.com. Like and follow us on social media at IndieWorks Co. Stand by main curtain.